Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Dre from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome along to episode 96 of the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse, your resident geek from Newcastle, England. Welcome, welcome, I hope it's not as cold and as freezing as it friggin' feels right now, but you're welcome nonetheless. I hope this warms your cockles of your heart. Or maybe you should just have alcohol. Who knows? I'm not advocating that. If you're not of alcohol age, no, no letters. Uh, no carrier pigeons with any uh, telegrams either. Uh, learn to be technological. Uh, email. <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, welcome along. This is episode 96 with John Kovalak. I've been wanting to get John on for a while. And finally, we've managed to sort this out. I'm just about to interview him, actually. Uh, so I'm actually doing this beforehand, which is not what I usually do, but I'm uh, killing time. And uh, so I'm obviously going to talk to him about Munchkin. He is an illustrator. And, yeah, I should mention what he does, shouldn't I? He's an illustrator, cartoonist, uh, drawer, nice guy. Uh, I've, I've, I've uh, actually talked to him before. We actually attempted to do a podcast about a year ago and the recording didn't work, which was very, very frustrating. So... Uh, long overdue, John being on the show, but we obviously talked to him about how he illustrates Munchkin, the uh, the the, ver- the legendary, you know, card game from uh, Steve Jackson Games, and how he got involved in that. His great online comic book Dork Tower, which has been around since 1998, and I should mention his website is uh, www.dorktower.com, where you can find all of the comic books of Dork Tower, as well as all the information about John. Uh, he's from Manchester, England, which is something we're going to talk about. So he's a fellow English guy, uh, obviously living in, in. I think he's living in in West in Wisconsin. Uh, is it? I hope I'm saying that right, fellow Americans. Wisconsin. Uh, uh, me and my stupid dyslexia, but um, something like that. But I'm sure that'll come up in the podcast. And so we're talking about the board game industry, his appearance on tabletop, and a bunch of other really really fun things. How he got started into the industry, which is always interesting because. You know, I know people who, who draw comic books and are very like, oh, how do we do that? So, yeah, yeah, it's all particularly good. Obviously, if you are listening to this and haven't listened to previous podcasts, we were at MCM London last time where we talked to RJ Mitty, Nolan North, aka The Introduction, uh, and uh, Daddy John Dews and Red Dwarf and a bunch of other people. So do I recommend you check that out as well as all the other podcasts we have done. And as I said in the beginning, please do subscribe to us on iTunes and any other affiliates that we are part of. Uh, that really does help us. Tell everyone about it. We're on Twitter, which is at geek underscore apocalypse. And John is on Twitter, which is at muskrat underscore John. That is M-U-S-K-R-A-T underscore John. So please do follow Mr. John as well. Huge thank you to John Cavallo for being on. Uh, really do appreciate it. We're also going to be restarting Twitch soon. I've been having issues with Windows 10. So if you want to go to twitch.tv forward slash Apocalypse as well as we're on YouTube, which is uh, Apocalypse YouTube channel. So have a gander at that. So uh, in the meantime, he has episode 96 with John Kavalik. Enjoy. Booyah. <laughs> Thank you.
Hello, Mr. John. How are you? I'm good. How are you, good sir? Very well, thank you. A little bit busy, but very <laughs> I well. I can imagine, yeah. Uh, is your video turned on? Because I, I can't see you. Yeah. Oh, there, there you are. Go. There we go. Hello, good sir. How's that? I'll try and aim it away from the light right back there That's a little better. bit. Yeah, I can, I can see you. Hello, good sir. Yay. Um, <laughs> hello. Um, obviously, yeah, I'll do a little quick. Um, we, we, are, we are recording as of now, so I will... Um, uh, I will start the video recording because that's separate, but the audio is starting as of now. Uh, quick, okay. quick rundown. Um, we'll obviously talk about various other things, but I'll do a quick introduction as well. Um, but first of all, I should say the reason that I know that I have actually got you on my Skype uh, contact list is because we have actually talked before, um, but it didn't go very well. I was doing some audio for another thing, and I think you may remember this. It was a long, it was quite a while ago, but. Um, we uh, it, the audio didn't end up working for some particular reason. I think it got corrupt or something. But we did speak a couple of years ago, off the top of my head. Um, but anywho, <laughs> yes, I noticed. I noticed that when I uh, when I logged into Skype, yes. it remembered your uh, contact. Yes, so. indeed. Yeah, yeah, that was why. So yeah, I, I was thinking, how did I know that? Because obviously, talking to your assistant, I was trying to work <laughs> this out, and I'm going, how do I already know, John? That makes no sense. But yes, we we, we worked it all out. But anywho, welcome. Welcome, John, uh, to the podcast. I've been Thank wanting you. to get you on for a long time, uh, as as we've just touched on with the fact that I've tried to talk to you before. Uh, but first couple of things, uh, I was told through Skype notification and through talking to your assistant, it is your birthday. So I suppose first thing to say is happy birthday, Mr. John. Is. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, and what are you planning? Any any nice, nice things planned or anything like that? Uh, I mean, you don't have to go into detail, but just anything nice? No, just yeah, the uh, gave a little family birthday. Uh, going to pick up my daughter from school and mm-hmm. um, just spend the evening with my wife and daughter. Cool, very nice. So you got that, That's hey, that 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 suits me. I mean, I, I actually my birthday was twelve days ago on twelfth of November. So no. what I happy did, birthday. Thank you very much. And uh, what and uh, what would please you to hear? Um, unfortunately, it wasn't one of your board games, but I do have several copies. <laughs> But uh, I played board games with my friends. That was what I did on my birthday. So, you know. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I uh, played a bunch of stuff. So it's kind of cool. Uh, Any board games are fine. Sorry. Oh, God. Yeah. Any games. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you would endorse playing games regardless, <laughs> Mr. John. Uh, but yeah. So uh, as we'll say, um, I've got a huge bunch of stuff to talk to you about. So I'm going to try and get for it. I know you're pressed for time. So we're going to uh, stick to plan. But there's a okay. bunch of things uh, I want to obviously talk to you about. I'll give a rundown. Obviously, uh, your tabletop experience, which was interesting with the with uh, Ticket to Ride Europe. Uh, yes, had a, we've had yes. a bunch of uh, we've had a bunch of people from Tabletop on, from Ryan Day, Andrew Hackard uh, as well. Uh, oh. So so a bunch of people. So I'm going to talk to you about your tabletop experience. But first things first. Um, I suppose since I last spoke to you a couple of years ago, how have things been going? First and first of all. Crazy, crazy busy. I'm very, very fortunate. Um, I am making a living, making a lovely living at being a cartoonist. And both of my hobbies, gaming and cartooning, have become my job. So I'm seeking out new hobbies as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wonderful. Uh, Munchkin keeps selling like crazy. Uh, I'm starting to spend more time getting back to Dork Tower, my yep. web strip. Mm-hmm. Um just you know, being able to carve out a little extra time for my own projects. Uh, not that Munchkin is not one of my projects, um, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I get 
paid to draw very silly things and people seem to enjoy it. Awesome. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's a nice living. I mean, that, I, being a huge geek that I am, I'm thinking that sounds like a very nice existence. So yeah, you must be thrilled. I, you know, the worst possible day I have, I'm sitting at the drawing table drawing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, the only in that scenario, the only the only negative aspect is maybe that if you're working on something and something's just not coming to you, that's probably the only the only time that's negative, I guess. For the most part, but that does not happen too often. I try to be, I try to work ahead with my own comic strip mm-hmm. uh, and with with my projects like that, so that those times when there might be a dry spell. Uh, there'll always be Munchkin to work on, and I've always got plenty. Andrew Hackard, who you mentioned, always make sure, always makes sure I've got plenty of art specs on hand. Um, so there's never really a slow time for Munchkin. So there's always something I can work on. Mm. Well, actually, you touched on. Let's stick with Dog Tower because that's something I wanted to talk to you about, um, because that's a very sort of interesting expansion, and and it's been going on for an incredibly long time. Am I right in saying it was something like '98 when you first started it? Yeah uh seven so we're coming up to the 20th anniversary yeah yes. wow exactly it's, so so yeah scary so yeah because it because one of the things i always touch on especially with comic book illustrators especially like now the, the 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 different distribution that it's went through because obviously you can get it in in literal form but obviously it's yeah. now transitioned onto online and i'm and obviously dog towers went through that process so i'm just interested to know from your aspect of of doing that you know describe to me and people listening what it's what that experience is like going from sort of drawing it that way to just putting it online is it any different at all to you oh it's 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 different in as much as the format of the online strips tends to be four panel comic strips yeah whereas in the comic book uh there was an ongoing storyline and it's it's a very different creative process trying to put together a gag you know, three times a week or two times a week, a yeah. four-panel uh, gag strip, possibly sometimes keeping a storyline going through some of these strips, uh, possibly not. Um, and, you know, with with the comic books, with the graphic novels, just really rolling up your sleeves and diving into some more in-depth aspects of storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I, I sort of miss that part of it a little mm-hmm. bit i mean i love i love doing the four panel comic strips that's what i started doing yeah years ago um years and years ago um with my old comic strip wildlife and i've always been a huge fan of charles schultz and peanuts and so that's been nice. a massive influence so <laughs> those times when i can get a you know, really nice little four panel gag i feel very satisfied and very happy mm-hmm. um but i'm also working on some more longer uh longer pieces and mm-hmm. i'm hoping to have a new collection of the longer format stuff uh, sometime in the next year. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Cool. Um, so it's, it's nice to know that you're still doing that aspect of it because I still think it's a bit like, you know, maybe, maybe I, I'm, I mean, I'm 28, but I'm like, kind of like, I'm almost like this with DVDs to some description. It's like, I know you can obviously get them in digital versions for a lot of stuff, but I still like the idea of holding something. It's a bit like, yes. I, I don't know what you think about, um, uh, I'm just thinking of the example. I'm a huge. I don't know. Have you played a game called Lords of Waterdeep? Um, yes. Oh, yes. A great game. So, like, I, I, I have. Sorry, go on. I have, I have domesticated my owl bear. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice tabletop reference. Yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> uh, with Pat Roffus. Yeah, but um, but um, 
one of the things I love about I love Lords of Waterdeep, and I have friends who have several copies. And me and my friend uh, Drew, it's like one of my our favorite game of like last year. It was like we absolutely adored it. And I've got the app version on my iPhone, but there's something about playing the the game. It's that just makes it a much better experience than the app, although uh, the app's a good substitute. And I'm just interested in, as a person who makes, you know, is involved in the process of making a board game, a card slash card game. Uh, what do you think about the idea of them, the transition into a digital version? Is it a good thing or is it just, do you regard it as just an alternative? It's an alternative. It's a good thing. I mean, uh, I enjoy playing Carcassonne and Ticket yeah. to Ride, Carcassonne. the app versions of those. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, there's nothing that can really beat the experience of sitting around a table with three or four or five friends and just the laughter, the experiences that come from playing, you know. And there's also the very tactile sense, uh, uh, the part of gaming where you're moving a piece or, you know, I, I, I do a lot of different kinds of gaming. I started actually when I was going to school in England um, with miniature, historical miniatures. So back in the... Uh, late 70s, I was painting up little Airfix 172nd uh, figures. And were, you painting War- the tanks. Were, you, were you Warhammer at all? Or were you into Warhammer? I, I've done Warhammer, but uh-huh. the thing is, back then, you know, uh, Games Workshop, which is where I found bought the little mm-hmm. Games Workshop on Darling Road in yeah, London, yeah. Um, that was a proper gaming store yeah. at that time. We've touched on that's this on the where, podcast, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I went there, we would like drive up from Somerset. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was the only real gaming shop that I knew of, but my dad would have to go to London for some reason or other. Yeah. I would go along, and they would stop in uh, Hammersmith on the way uh, in further into you know London proper. Uh, so that's where I discovered Dungeons and Dragons. I was actually looking for some old SPI, you know, new then, but some SPI board games, uh, the little war games where you just have little chits and you're pushing them around, mm-hmm. which was the next thing I discovered after miniatures, after, and you know, in England back at the time, you could buy proper books of rules for uh, historical miniatures war gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Airfix did a whole series, um, uh, but you know, I've got, there's a book called Operation Battlefront, I believe, which was published uh-huh. by one of the publishers in Britain at the time, yeah. which was set of World War One rules for playing with you know one seventy seven one seventy second scale figures. Nice. Um, so it was you know so much of gaming was about miniatures and still is you know in in my experience uh, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from there I discovered uh, board games, the old mm-hmm. SPI you know, military history uh, board games, and you're just moving piles of chits uh, back and forth. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. And, and uh, but yes, once I, once my first trip to Games Workshop, um, I'm guessing late 79, 80, that's where I discovered, actually it would have been earlier, that's where I discovered the little white box, original Dungeons and Dragons, the three booklet set, the very, very first one. Mm -hmm. And they had a little uh, pamphlet, a little uh, uh, Xeroxed, um, photocopied description of what is uh, role playing. Mm -hmm. And somebody at Games Workshop had typed up a little, uh, a, a, a sample of a dungeon crawl with the back and forth, the, the dialogue between the players, mm-hmm. which you see in a lot of game, a lot of role-playing games. Now there'll be that obligatory chapter. What is a role-playing game? And you'll have a little play essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and 
I mean, this is the first time I'd seen that. Mm-hmm. And it was such a great idea because as soon as I read this, I knew exactly what this role-playing uh, thing was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just, it blew my mind. I, I was probably about 16. Yeah, I was 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would have been 77, 78. Nice. Uh, and I, I just loved it. So, but yes, that was, I forget what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, we were just talking about, uh, we obviously just talking about how you got, well, we, we just led to talking about how you got involved really with, to begin with, but there's a couple of, there's a, there's a, there's a question that I always ask in relation to that because people around about your age or at least growing up in your generation, um, that's something they always talk about, about, you know, getting the experience of playing D and D for the first time and, and all that kind of thing. Like, like, especially like, as you say, late seventies early 80s that kind of that kind of time frame um and if and comparatively speaking if you look at that because we're laughing now about the idea of like getting a pen and pad and imagining what it would be like whereas now you get all these graphic you know greatly graphically illustrated stuff like like what yourself do and you look at it and there's the the imagination is a lot less necessary because it's I... kind of all there but i'm just interested to compare the two I don't think I don't think the imagination is less because the artwork was so bad. I mean, that first those first little three. This is not, we're not talking about the the big you know D and D stuff that came after. This is like the tiny little box. It was horrible. Yeah, was yeah, good. I've I seen mean, some. That, yeah, 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 yeah. That art would drive people away from gaming. Um, so right now, if I was a kid getting into gaming, if I was 16 years old again, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I had these beautifully illustrated uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition or Pathfinder games, I I would be in heaven. I mean, especially uh, with something... For, here's a great example. Uh, back then, I picked up a game. I'm, I'm trying to... It was published by Lu, a company called Luzaki, and it was based on Star Trek. And it was a starship combat game. But you had to cut out these large pieces of paper and you lay them on the floor. And then you had pieces of strings uh, going <laughs> back and forth between them. <laughs> and so you can say, well, yes, your imagination had to do so much back then. But I got to tell you, I'm good, I would be much happier picking up Fantasy Flight's X-Wing now, <laughs> having these gorgeous miniatures. Yeah. And- the everything you need to play in here mm-hmm. uh this is kind of a golden age of gaming uh yeah. you know we, the stuff back then wasn't great i mean the mm-hmm. rules for the first dungeons and dragons were pretty awful mm-hmm. uh compared to what you have now the rules writing alone the rules writing was terrible back then you had to really wade through so many paragraphs to try and figure out what the game designer was thinking about like two, two um, hours to resolve the grapple stuff like that <laughs> yes no, 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 Yes, yes. Um, I've got got a, uh, over here on one of my shelves, I've got an air combat game from back then. And it takes like almost a half a page essentially to say the aircraft can only face a hex side, not a hex corner. Mm. Um, It's, it's, it's almost uh, hilarious if it wasn't so painful. (laughs) Uh, I mean, th- that's really interesting comparison because this leads me to another kind of off-tangent thing, and then we'll move, we'll get it, we'll we'll stick to point. But I just wanted to ask, you know, because obviously now you get another another section of that where it's RP in a box, you know, like Fiasco and various other things, where instead of doing long campaigns over twelve months, you can do an RP in a box that lasts a day. So I mean, what's your yeah. sort of take on that? Because I actually think. 
you know that you know because there's 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 often there's obviously going to be people who are pros and cons to this for example some people think oh that takes away the the enjoyment of enjoying something over time or i think for just one-off experience you know where you can play every so often i actually think they're really good and i'm just interested to know from your experience doing rps what have you played fiasco or anything like that and what do you think of them? i have and i've got i've got to tell you it was one of the best experiences i've ever had in part because i mean i love the game benefit of the audio i'm giving them a thumbs up just let me know (laughs) (laughs) carry on sorry Uh, for um for my first fiasco game Mm -hmm. uh i had some friends from chicago up so i was playing fiasco with will hindmarsh with Kenneth Height, nice, and with Matt Forbeck, and I'm sitting here in my basement with these, you know, <laughs> titans. Yeah, essentially, you know, these these you know massively smart, massively popular, massively creative people. Yeah, and I'm sort of looking around, thinking to myself, you know, it was like it was one of these um, talking heads moments. Like, yeah. my God, how did I get here? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, like somebody that. paid a thousand dollars to charity to sit in on this gaming group we had uh, to play fiasco but i like it all i mean i've i've used to play call of cthulhu a lot and so there'd be some wonderful one or two session call of cthulhu scenarios which were very intense i love long ongoing campaigns where you take a character from first level to 15th i love little one night you know my my gaming is very open you know i love miniatures i love role playing i love card games i love board games um i will play you know, a fun little game like Camel Up or um, to mention a couple of the more recent ones, Camel Up or Cult Express. But I also will love to spend hours and hours and hours on a game like Talisman and just really get lost to this, which a lot of people might consider exceptionally dull. It's like, my God, will this not end? Um, You know, we're just very lucky. We've got this wonderful hobby with all these many different facets and there's no one way which is better or worse than another. If you know, uh, so sometimes I'll see these people who are very strident that you know gaming must be this, gaming must be that. Yeah. I mean, you find these people all the time on Board Game Geek, for heaven's sakes. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> come on, this is this is totally the most live and let live hobby I've ever known. There's something for everybody. Well, if you don't want to get lost in a game of Magic: The Gathering, here try Pairs from Cheap Ass Games or something. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, it's funny you say that because I touched on this before. I may have even asked Andrew Hackett this, but um, I gave an example of um, I'm part of like a, 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 a the biggest board game club in Newcastle, where I'm from, Newcastle, England, which I'm sure you'll know from being from Manchester. Um, well, and... I knew that that was a London accent. Going on. <laughs> really? Oh, London, yeah. Oh God, <laughs> I, I, I've sold out. No. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so. One of the th- examples I gave is I went to the biggest board game convention here in, in England called UK Games Expo, where I actually met, like, actually, speaking of examples, I actually uh, got shown Thunderbirds, the new Thunderbird game with Matt, oh, Le- with, yes. with, with Matt Leacock, who was there. Nice. So that's my kind of like, how did I end up here? Like, yeah, that, that was my nice. example. Um, but anyway, so nice. when I was there... How was it, by the way? Was uh, it's a great, great game. I, I, I'm I've so... Been, I have been telling people for ages. It is like a, a it's a more streamlined like pandemic, but they've yeah. really they've really like focused in on the Thunderbirds aspect. And one so of the things that up in, sorry, go on. It's like growing up in England, um, being born in and growing up in England. Yeah, yeah. you could tell from the accent. Thunderbird Two is the prettiest thing there is. <laughs> <laughs> I still got my old corgi. 
my old Corgi Thunderbird 2, uh, which had, was it Thunderbird 5 that came out of it? Or I, I forget which one like pops out of it. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, God. No, it's, it's, fun, it's, funny, it's funny you say that because being a huge geek that I am, I actually uh, uh, grew up with the whole island with all the Thunderbirds and all the, the, the all, and they all like came out and it was just the yes. greatest toy ever. So yeah, no, I'm totally on board with you with Thunderbirds. But yeah, just a quick thing about, the, uh, about Thunderbirds. I've been, you know, I've been telling people about it. I'm friends with Chris Birch who... Uh, runs Modifius who makes that help made that game and it's it's great because they stick to with ITV bringing it back it's got quite a nice retro feel to it and it still feels like Thunderbirds but it's got some mechan- like some modernized mechanics in it that make it interesting and and you can be all the characters and all work together and it's it's a really really great game so I recommend people get it um but anywho um so yeah I was talking the, the story I was going to give was and I'm sorry to say this, John, but like obviously there's millions more people who like Munchkin, but the, that is the game I'm. The, the, that is the game that I own. I have several Munchkin copies. I also own Shea Geek, which I know you designed as well. Um, uh, is I I love them games, and I think they're really good as Will Wheaton says, infection vectors for people to come and uh, to come and experience gaming and what it's really like now. I love that he's holding his kitten at the same time. That's so adorable. Um, but uh, but yeah, so. Um, a friend who's from Gamers actually saw me buy, I think I bought, maybe it was the Apocalypse Edition, and I got Andrew Hacker to sign it, so I was really over the moon. Andrew was there, that's how I met yes. him. And, and uh, yeah, um, and he went, oh, look what, uh, like, he was like, oh, great, let me have a look in the bag. And I opened the bag, and I showed him what I'd bought, and he went, oh, you're a Munchkin guy, in a kind of, like, dismissive <laughs> sense. And I was like, I and it's an- it annoys me when you get that, because it's just like... I don't know, there's some people who just really... There's people who come to certain gaming events where they'll kind of look and go, oh, someone's playing Munchkin, and they're so disappointed like, <laughs> that they're not allowed to. I mean, I mean, on the whole... I'm, go on. I'm sorry I ruined his life. I know, yeah. I'm like, we're enjoying it. Why are you coming over to tell us that it's bad? Like, you know, there's five people sitting here laughing about Munchkin and really enjoying it, and this guy comes over going, oh, you're playing Munchkin. Oh, like... Come on, we'll play something you like, and I'll come and tell you it's rubbish, you know. But I wouldn't do that because I'm not, I'm not horrible, you know. Anyway, I mean, what's your sort of experience on the whole? Because I mean, obviously, as you said, Munchkin's expanding. There's more and more. I've got like four different versions, which tells you how how big it's getting. I mean, um, how's it? How's it? How's the feedback for you? And do you get any feedback? And what's it like? What's the? I do. It's fantastic. Um, because I get to go to conventions all around the world. Yeah. Which is a huge privilege, and Mm -hmm. I'm very honored to do that. People, I was in Poland this year. I'm flying to Brazil for convention. Very nice. And the fan reaction is just incredible. I'll be doing signings for hours. Um, Luca in Italy last year was the first convention I've been to that we had to limit people to one item signed each because the crowds were just that huge. Um, So I can, you know, I I understand where, you know, a game might not be to somebody's style. I mean, Munchkin is a very um, loose, uh, very um, uh, almost, I don't want to say unstructured because there's definitely a lot of structure to it, but I can see how this kind of game, some people, my, there's a kitten. I know, yeah. It's like it's doing some sort of gymnastic um, routine. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I can I can certainly understand if somebody doesn't like it, but yeah. to me, I I get the fan mail. I get I see thousands of people around the world, and Munchkin sold millions of copies, and it makes some people very very happy, and that's a great feeling. I get to do something that makes people 
ridiculously happy. Yeah. So I can imagine that must be good. I mean, how do you how does it feel in regards to because I just came back from MCM London and like some of the guests they had there, there was just line after line of people, and I mean. I I, I I I guess you're going to understand why I'm saying this, but can you? Did you ever imagine being a designer? You know, I guess Stan Lee's used to this by now, but but like you know, someone who's an illustrator, a cartoonist like yourself, could you? Did you ever imagine that there would be a line of people wanting to get something signed from you? Like, is I mean, because I imagine that's not the reason you got into it in the first place. You just did it because you loved it. But I mean, how do you how do you deal with it with with that kind of semi fame as it were? it's a nice level of semi-fame. That's a good way of putting it yeah. because at conventions, I'll be very busy. Um, I'll do a couple of signings a day. Like the worst was in Germany uh, at Essen uh, about six years ago, maybe they had yeah. nobody to close out the line. So I was supposed to do two one hour signings, one in the morning, one in the evening. And it became one seven hour line because people <laughs> just kept coming in and getting the line. And at the end, I was sort of begging people come back tomorrow. I'm drawing like shit right now. <laughs> this is horrible. Uh, so it was three or four days of that. Um, and something like that can be really tough, but you know, to be honest, there are going to be a thousand or 10,000 cartoonists who would swap their problems for mine. I mean, this is, I'm very, very lucky. I've been part of two once in a lifetime games, first apples to apples and second Munchkin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not going to complain in <laughs> one no, iota. No, it's absolutely. really nice. I mean, the best thing is the best thing, the best thing, the best thing without question is looking up to somebody uh, like you're sitting down, doing a little drawing for somebody, giving it to them and just seeing how happy they are. And like, you know, being able to help some people, you know, have a little bit better day. Um, that is really such a great feeling. Yeah. And there's nothing in the world like that. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I, and this, that's, this is the thing that I find odd when, you know, we're all part in an essence of this brand of entertaining people or make, as you say, making people have a better day. And and the idea of getting, you know, majority of the feedback being that, oh, I, I, I played this game, I listened to this podcast or whatever. And you get the feedback of that, that, that really entertained them and it made it, it made their day better. That is literally the best part about it you know so that for people to say oh you get that one negative comment and that ruins it they're really not understanding that it's not that's not the the reason why we do it in the first place i mean we do it for the fun of us but the other stuff's the nice bonus as you're saying it's the nice fact that is this true and a friend of mine said to me is it true that you do special cards you draw special cards for people to use on munchkin is this true Yes, I do. <laughs> if I'm signing, and if somebody's got a blank card, I will do them as a monster, or I will try and do a little quick character or sketch or something like that of cool. them, and give them their own little special rule for that, or modify. If they don't have one, if they if they just bring me another card, I will cool. modify the card so that it helps them a little bit more. And if I sign it, it's legal for play. <laughs> but if Steve Jackson signs it, it's then also tournament legal. Cool. Very nice, because I heard Steve did it. Yeah, I've heard Steve done it, but it's nice that you do it too. That's kind of fun, because there was a a really quick, funny story about us at a board game convention for Tabletop. Uh, We were a board game club for Tabletop Day, so we had a a larger crowd than we're used to. So we're sitting here on Tabletop. This was a couple of years ago couple of years ago and someone got the card of you get plus one for every munchkin box 
around you. And yes. I'm not joking, they got about plus 40. Because <laughs> there, <was> <laughs> there was about 40 different versions. that We, we were like, it was the weirdest thing, because I wasn't I wasn't on the game. But then, uh, it's 10 to, by the way, if you're looking at the time. Uh, no, 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 I was, I was counting my Oh, you're looking boxes. for the Munchkin back, sorry. It's was, just so I'm leaning so over. So I've got about a plus 20. All right, you're trying to figure out, oh, I get you, you're trying to figure out how much you have. I have about four with me now, so if we play it together, that's plus 24. Um, But anyway, yeah, they got about plus 40, and it was weird going around other tables going, can we have a look in your bag to see if you got Munchkin? Have you got Munchkin? Have you got Munchkin? So so they worked out they got plus 40 or something, they were nearly like impossible to lose, but that was very funny. But uh, yeah, that's a quick story about um, them cards being fun. That's really cool. I mean, um, so uh, how many conventions would you see you go to on average? I'm trying to limit it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I try to do not more than one a month and there'd be a couple of months I skip. So probably eight a year, uh, maybe 10. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I was doing a lot more and I just frankly felt a little bit burnt out. Mm. Um, they are. I mean, so we've it, just come back for it. We did a whole five days in London and yeah, it's it's hectic. I mean, yeah. and I'm just me. Yes, t- you know. Yeah, even if you're not working, they're tiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if actually there and working as well you're on all the time yeah yeah and there's all the preparation that goes in before them and then the winding down after them mm-hmm. um i love them i i miss them um so for, i've started going back to gen con again yeah and i hadn't been there for an awful long time because i just had burnt out on conventions overall um but on the other hand you know i do get these invitations so i'm going to brazil in December, I'm going to Ireland in January. Mm-hmm. I've got an invitation um, to uh, Croatia, which I need to see if I can make that one. Nice. Um, it's, yes. Um, I would say yes so, to that. That's a great place, Croatia. Yeah. I've country. never been. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm, trying to make sure, I'm trying to make sure it can fit into the schedule. Mm-hmm. And But yeah, if I, if I do one convention a month, then that doesn't really impact my drawing schedule too badly cool that's not that's nice to hear i'm just I'm, the reason i'm asking is i'm kind of hoping that i'm kind of um uh, is there any plans to come to an english convention at some point or are you just waiting to be asked? i would love to i used to yes um i if somebody asks me uh that would be one of my top priorities because mm-hmm. i used to come to dragon meet uh, in london uh, quite frequently before the whole big burnout thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got, my parents still live in London. My sister lives in Brighton. She's a surgeon down in a hospital in Brighton. And um, I love getting back to the UK as often as I can. Nice. I it's I miss so much of it. You know, um, I always bring back uh, a lot of food items, which may or may not technically be allowed through customs, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I they miss- all get more stringent, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's um, funny because actually a, a while, like about quite a while ago, I was in London for about a month, which was, you know, quite a long period of time. Yeah. And it was it was odd because I could not do an accent if my life depended on it. But because I've grown up so many places around the world, you know, I'll slip into it. And apparently after about a month, I was starting to slip into a London accent. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> yeah. But yes. I I, I, yes. I lived I lived with my sister for a month uh, uh, in Preston, not far from where you, you from where you're from, uh, where you're originally from. And um, yeah, I came back with a few sort of Lancashire dialect, which <laughs> I, I, I had a very hard time getting rid of. I kept seeing everything was fantastic. 
was like, <laughs> uh, 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 I was, but you know how they did the whole, fantastic, you know, they put the emphasis on. It sounds almost scouser. It's really weird. Yes. I'm, uh, yeah, every, everything's fantastic. Even like, oh, yeah, your grandma just died. That's fantastic. Yeah, like, uh, it was like, uh, and I just found myself, my friends were like, what's happened to you? Like, yeah, it was, it was really very strange. But yeah, the, if you ever do any English language courses, they teach you that, that like when you spend any, it's a subconscious thing that you adapt to your environment on a language level. I did this at college and it's a very interesting uh very interesting uh, way of looking at it. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I know we're pressed for time, so there's a few things I want to get to. Um, sure. In terms of, so we talked about conventions, very other thing. We touched briefly on Dork Tower, and we're touching on the fact that you're originally from Manchester, and then, um, you know, obviously you now work for Steve Jackson Games. I'm just wanting to talk a little bit about how you ended up in America. Uh, what's the story uh, about that? My, my dad was in international business. In fact, my, my parents are uh, were both born in the U.S., although they now live in England, um, in London. And in fact, my mom's got a, um, a, a much thicker accent than I ever had, I think, when I lived there. Um, but um, I uh, – so we moved back and forth a little bit. So I was born in Manchester. We moved back to the States when I was two. Then we moved back to the UK when I was 10 and we lived in the Midlands for a while, um, around Leicester. And then we moved South and we lived in Somerset for uh, quite a bit. And I went to school down in Somerset. Then I went to college in London. I was studying astrophysics at Queen Mary college, oh, wow. uh, because the, um, I, I think it's still kind of the same system, but you know, you had to do your O levels and essentially when you're 16, you have to decide what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life to take your A-level exams, yeah, which is God, yeah. insane. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, I still don't know. So what I, I'm 28, and I still don't know what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided that I liked the sciences, so I started, uh, studied biology, physics, and math in, for my A-levels. Um, and I got into astrophysics at Queen Mary College, London. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point that first year, I realized that I liked looking at pretty planets more than I actually liked studying in-dimensional dimensional tensor calculus. Ooh. And back then, it was very difficult to transfer between programs because the government was paying for you. They didn't really like it if you were sort of you know messing around, mm. um, uh, jumping between programs. Mm -hmm. Whereas the system in the United States is exactly that. You get essentially a whole year to try things in college to see what you like, what you don't like, what you think your major will be. Mm. You can take all these electives. Um, my courses in London were all science. Every single course was science up until – third year when I was allowed to take, um, history of science, uh, yeah, history of science. That was it. Um, so it was, um, whereas, you know, uh, so I transferred to the States, uh, and started in economics, which was a subject I was always interested in. Cool. And it was great. I just, it came very naturally to me. Um, it let me actually, I skipped a lot of classes. It came so easily to me. And I ended up, you know, hanging out at the student newspaper office doing cartoons. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved, I loved the classes. So I was taking Roman history. I was taking, uh, I went back and I took some pure science classes just to prove that I could do it. Um, but I had a great time. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was in Wisconsin um, and the University of Wisconsin. And as, then I ended up just getting a job at a local newspaper doing cartoons, mm -hmm. uh, the city paper. And that sort of kept me here. Then I met my wife afterwards and I've, uh, I just ended up in 
the Midwest, uh, the American Midwest. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm glad you said that because something I remember from our last interview a couple of years ago was something that stayed with me because you touched on your wife. And I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was something around the time were you doing another job and you wanted to do you wanted to do comic books and your wife you know helped support you making yes. that decision. I want you to tell that again because it was very poignant and it it, it resonated with me because I remember it. So do you want to tell me that? Yes. So I was at the newspaper and eventually got a full time job at the newspaper, and mm-hmm. but I was doing some cartooning, uh, some editorial cartooning, and also my then comic strip. Yeah, I was having to do a lot of also feature writing. Uh, oh, so I, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, interviewing other people, mm-hmm. talking about their creative lives, their much more successful creative lives than mine was at the time. Um, and, uh, the news, this is right at the start when newspapers started cutting back. And so all of a sudden I would be getting these, uh, worse, uh, and worse assignments until at one point, uh, they wanted me to essentially stick with, uh, the inputting the entertainment listings, you know, essentially doing the calendar section mm-hmm. of the newspaper, which I was terrible at. Uh, I was just ridiculously bad at that. Um, yeah. And also, I just, I just hated it. And it was yeah. very dull. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so my wife said, honey, you're miserable at the newspaper. Quit. I'll support you and just give this cartooning thing a try. You know, just spend all your time cartooning. See if it works out. And it was this was about a five weeks before we were going to get married. So we were not even married. Wow. And all of a sudden, uh, her her parents, uh, their daughter is not marrying just a cartoonist, but then an unemployed cartoonist. <laughs> uh, yeah, is he any good? He's unemployed, but he's only been doing it for five yes. weeks. Give him a break. <laughs> yeah. uh, that made all the difference in the world. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, yeah, no. everything everything came from that. So that would have been. Uh, we got married in ninety uh, six, so yeah, that would have been early ninety six. And by ninety seven, I was doing Dork Tower, and actually, yeah, by nineteen ninety seven, I was doing Dork Tower, and I was doing, um, you know, very soon after that, Shea Geek for Steve Jackson, and very soon after that, Munchkin for Steve Jackson. Great. I'm glad you think you that because I've got a few minutes left with you. I don't want to, and obviously with you being a birthday, I don't want to keep you too long. And you've got to pick up your daughter. <laughs> uh, is um, I there's a couple of things, and I'm glad you mentioned that. So, in a the quick version, so how from there did you end up getting to Steve Jackson? How did they ask you? Did you ask them? How did that work? That was a very okay. The very quick version of that is while I was at the newspaper. Uh, the O.J. Simpson trial was going on. I don't know if anybody would yeah. even remember that. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. The American was a, football player. A, the guy who's in Naked Gun, for those that want to know, he was in Naked Gun as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah a, a very popular actor, an ex-football player, yeah. uh, um, was arrested for the murder of his wife and her friend. And this became a huge media circus. He wrote a, uh, book, and, wrote a book, I Didn't Kill Her, But This Is How I Would Do It, or something, wasn't it? Because uh, he, yes. he got, he got so, acquitted. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, but he, uh, so at some at a certain point, and I'd been a gamer again. I remember going to Bristol, a little store on one of the main streets in Bristol, um, and picking up some Steve Jackson micro games um, back in the late '70s or 1980. So I've been a Steve Jackson fan for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at, at one point in this O.J. Simpson trial, one of his lawyers had mentioned 
that there was a conspiracy out to get his client. So I did a editorial cartoon about the conspiracy to get OJ Simpson, which included pulled in things from all the conspiracies, you know, ever. Um, and of course, once you start talking conspiracy, you think of Steve Jackson. And so I threw in the Bavarian Illuminati as one of the players in the OJ Simpson conspiracy. And I made drew the Bavarian Illuminati as a little dancing pyramid, the Steve Jackson logo. And then just for fun, I sent it off. I, I faxed it to Steve Jackson games thinking they would get a chuckle out of it. What happened was then a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from their then marketing manager saying, Oh, by the way, Steve saw your cartoon. Uh, he loved it. Two things. First, he spotted a typo in it. And secondly, he would like, he would like you to be our cartoonist for Murphy's rules, which was an old feature, which ran in pyramid magazine. Nice. And from that, I kind of, uh, uh, this was around the time uh, collectible card gaming was just starting to be huge. I mean, Magic had been huge. Steve Jackson was doing their Illuminati uh, card game, Illuminati New World Order. And again, just one of these, um, I think, you know, the, the phrase in England, uh, in, in, in the UK would be cheeky. But out of the blue, I just called up Steve and said, hey, you're doing this collectible card game. Do you need any more arts? Um, which <laughs> I really scary. thought you were going to say something much ruder there, like lucky bastard or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good for you. That's totally out of character. And this being Steve Jackson games at the time, they were behind schedule. So I got given 20 Illuminati card games to do, uh, uh, cards uh, to do for the game. Yeah. And then a little like about, I'm going to say about a year later, I get this call from Steve telling me that they're doing this Shea Geek game and he thinks my stuff would be great for it. And again, a year after that, uh, everything's going well. And Steve says, hey, you've got this game I designed called Munchkin. And this to me was, uh, you know, one of these one of these times like, holy cow, this person who I've been a fan of for years wants me to illustrate a game he designed. Are you nice. joking? Of course I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. So I never I thought, know. you know, I had no idea Munchkin would be this big yeah, at exactly. the time. It's like, yeah. oh, look, it's a little silly game about a dungeon crawl. <laughs> it's, that's, this is fun. I'll draw it. And didn't think I'd ever hear about it again. <laughs> right. What we'll do, because I know you have to go, is we'll do a few quick fire, quick fire answers and then I'll let you go. So quickly. Sure. So quickly. So this is just a couple of questions that were sent to us as well. So I mean, I want to make sure we get to them just really quickly. Sure. So working for Steve, is it? An enjoyable experience. That was something that came up. It's fantastic. At this point in time, we've been working together for close to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, it's like being in a really nice, you know, uh, marriage. Because you know, I get art specs from Steve or from Andrew now. Just, you know, some crazy card name. And the art spec will entirely be, you know what to do, John. And most of the time I will. And I know what they're looking for. I know what's expected. I try to make it better every time. Uh, but it's really nice. I yeah, working with Steve, working with Steve Jackson Games is a fantastic experience. I can imagine. Yeah, I've, uh, any story I've ever heard about about Steve has been nothing but he's he's professional. He's you know str- oh, stringent, yeah. but you know you know I think also he's just brilliant. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, one of the few people I know, and I know a handful of people, I can honestly say he's a genius. I mean, the way his mind works, it's so fast. The connections there, you know, what he will retain, it's amazing. Right, a couple of quick things about Tabletop. Was it as hot as it looked filming the episode? Yes! <laughs> Holy God, so hot. 
I was, and I'm a person who sweats normally. Um, then I was about 20 pounds heavier then as well. Um, say you look good, John. And, I like your beard as well. <laughs> thank you. Um, Veganism, fellow beard. Uh, um, yes. Um, see, that's just the five o'clock shadow for you, though, isn't it? Exactly. I'm yeah. this whole. This happens, uh, it was, this happens overnight, John. There's something wrong with my hair uh, growth. <laughs> I, 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 I was born like this. This is weird. You know, uh, yeah. Um, it was incredibly hot and it was incredibly tense. It was, I mm. went into tabletop. It would be so fun and so light because we were playing a game. Oh my gosh, everybody there wanted to win. It was a really tense game. Yeah. <laughs> so no, between that and the heat. Uh, for those that don't know, it was with him and Wheaton. Uh, I'm trying to think who the other girl was, the blonde haired girl. Um, <laughs> Yes, I'm that's a right. Yeah, I'm a coffee. And uh, it came down to the wire, literally, between you and uh, who was the other person who was close to? Was it you and uh, you and Will? You and Anne? Was, me and Will. I you thought one of the girl. I thought one of the women were going to take it. For yeah, because they were yeah. unmolested. You know, with their roots, just building these pretty long lines. Whereas Will and I were going at each other's throats in the Balkans, and. I, I totally, you know, uh, to me, Ticket to Ride is not a game where I think you really want to aggressively go after somebody because you will lose as much time yeah. and resources as they probably will. But, yeah, I just eked it out. It was uh, it was a great <laughs> feeling. And you spent all your time. What was it in the area? It's been a while since I watched it, but you we were in the Baltics. What was it in the Baltics or something? I in the Balkans. Yeah, yeah, in the Balkans. Yeah, that was it. Yes. Yeah. And you, you, you uh, spent my time in there. It's like... <laughs> I hit the for a Constantinople run, yeah. which was a son of a bitch to begin with. Uh, was it Constantinople? I think so. I think, but there's just like one insane run, which goes, you know, from the UK all the way uh, down. Um, and I recommend so that, buying the app. You said about the app for tickets to riding, obviously get you yes. one as well, is that I enjoy doing that, getting the hardest routes and trying to, trying to uh, I know it's yeah. random, but Honestly, that's, that's really fun. Only the only reason I won, because a week before that show, we had a test game here at home with some friends. Yeah. And, you know, some casual gaming friends and my wife. And I came in dead last. And I panicked. So from that moment on, any free point I had, I was playing the freaking, you know, Ticket to Ride app on, you know, my iPad, on my iPhone. The entire flight to Los Angeles, I was playing it. The entire morning before the taping of the show, I'm playing it. I just did not want to come in last. Yeah. Oh, no. That, if I, you know, I, my goal is to one day get on that if it continues and I'll be like, yeah, okay, I will just, I don't want to suck. That's all I care about. I don't want to suck. I'm not a very competitive gamer. I, I enjoy, I would much rather have a fun time and lose a game yeah. than have a really tense time and win a game. That's just the thing I like. But it was, but it, it was entertaining because of that, though, you know? <laughs> it really There's did. There's a point. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, when Will pulled that dick move in the Balkans, I think it was. <laughs> this is shot. You can see my eyes just widen. It's like, yeah. why did he do that? Why would you do that? Anyway, because uh, I've been with you five minutes longer, so I want to quickly. I want to make sure I end because I want you to let you go. It's I've just basically. So, all right, cool. Okay, well, um, okay, just well, I only got a couple more questions, and we can wrap it up. Sure. So, I just um, in regards to tabletop, because this is a constant thread in our seat in our podcast we've had ryan on and talking about it andrew and i think a couple more people off the top of my head um just the you know people obviously talk to us about tabletop and the experience and the sort of overriding um you know success it has like i just as someone who's been on it and is part of the gaming work oh we talked to matt about this as well with pandemic and um and just what do you think in terms of the exposure it gives to games and the the effect it's had on the on the board game industry? What are your thoughts on that? 
Uh, it's been absolutely massive, uh, especially the first season. There was definitely, without question, a tabletop effect. If a game would get on tabletop, sales would go through the roof. I tried uh, Zombie Dice the day it came out, like, and I couldn't get copies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's sort of you know mellowed a little bit, but it's been huge. But you know, on the other hand, I think it's been a big societal change because now you go through some of these giant box, uh, big box stores they're called in the U.S. Target. Walmart, and they will have things like Pandemic or Munchkin or uh, Ticket to Ride or um, I think I saw King of Tokyo there. And right now, I mean, in the U.S., you know, uh, this seeing this level of tabletop gaming everywhere is just unheard of. And, you know, I don't think this is a bubble. I think this is really a societal shift of people discovering this wonderful new hobby. And all of a sudden it's so I think, to, you know, in a little bit. Uh, there has been, you know, tabletop has helped that, and a little, another little bit is tabletop's been in lockstep with it. It's been, it's been great to see, and you know, having been in gaming as long as I have, this, this, this huge acceptance of our hobby is just wonderful. Cool, excellent. Uh, I mean, uh, were you, did you know Will beforehand or, or not? Yes, I actually have known Will for about 10, 11 years. He was uh, early on uh, one of the first munchkin players um and he was always an advocate and so you know 10 years ago we would meet up at san diego comic-con and just go out for a drink or go out for mexican afterwards which is something he cannot possibly do now because he is so well known and he is so very popular so i like to tell people i knew will wheaton before he was will wheaton (laughs) after he was will wheaton yeah but before he was Will Wheaton. Well, that's weird. Um, What's weird is like, because Will will say, Will admit to this, is that you knew him before, you knew him after Star Trek Will Wheaton, but then you yes. knew him before Will Wheaton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As in exactly. evil Will Wheaton and various other things. So, yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but no, honestly, uh, it's been great talking to you. I'll not keep you any longer. Uh, just quickly, as I, I always ask people as I end the podcast, just in terms of future stuff. What are you working on? Uh, you don't have to. You obviously, I'm not ask fishing for anything. I'm just asking out of politeness. Is there anything you're working on that you can tell us about? Yeah, well, I can never tell. I can. I'm never allowed to tell what the new Munchkin stuff is coming. But there's some yeah. really cool Munchkin stuff coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on a new supplement for uh, the third supplement for Cash and Guns. Mm-hmm. I'm working on the next. Oh, that's a great game. I've, I've got. I played that game. Great game. Love it, love it so mm-hmm. much. Um, I, again, I'm just—it's a real fun group of people, and I've been very lucky to be asked to be part of that. It's such a silly, ridiculous, wrong game. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a lot. I'm, I'm trying to get Dork Tower up much more uh, on a, a far more regular basis, but also to get the new collection out sometime early next year. And yeah, there's all, it's always, uh, I'm working on a really cool game with Mike Selinker, uh, the, again, another brilliant game designer. Um, I'm very fortunate. I've got a lot of stuff coming. Cool. Well, I'm, well, good luck with everything. Not that you'll need it. And, uh, I'm hugely thankful for you being on. It's been a long overdue, uh, uh, guest on the show. I've been look, really looking forward to, there's been a lot of people excited for you to come on. So I'm really, really oh, excited. So yeah, I'm really happy for that. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward Excellent. to releasing this, and uh, it's been a real honor. And I really and um, for example, UK Games Expo, which is the biggest convention. I'm hoping one day they'll invite you there because we are media partners. Oh, that, I would. So, uh, I would love that. That's in Birmingham, is it? Yes, or... the Birmingham. Yeah, and they yeah. move into the NEC next year, so it's going to be really, really big. Probably it's close yes. to it's close to um. Uh, MCM, which is where we just been, so that had a hundred thousand people over the weekend. So I reckon, I, I reckon, I reckon they'll beat that. 
uh, I reckon they can beat that with NC Arena because it was at the Hilton just next to it. Um, so they've just expanded for next year. So it's going to be massive. But yeah. they've been doing it for about six years. So it's been expanding every year. So, um, so I really I would love to see that. Yeah, I hope to see Excellent. it. Um, because um, Andrew's been there and Matt, Matt, so it'd be nice to nice to meet and say hello. But until then, good luck with everything, Sean. Thank you for talking to us. Happy birthday. And, Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, um, you're welcome on anytime. So uh, hopefully I'll uh, oh. see you on again. I'd love to be back. No Thank worries. You. Thanks a lot, right? Uh, I will say goodbye to you, Mr. John. And uh, I'll end the podcast like I always end in the words of the great B-movie robot jocks Crash and Burn. And uh, I'll see you all very very soon for another edition of the Geek Podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye!